Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, we really want to recognize some of our original listenership, as well as welcome many new listeners. And when we say many new listeners, the numbers have been astounding. So we want to thank you all for joining us on this journey. Yeah, definitely. So I do want, like, we both want to really give a shout out to, uh, you know, the likes of Chad and Jess and Jensen. Yeah. Who've been there from day one, who have been engaging in conversation since day one. Yeah, they text us almost every day. Yep. And we love it. And it's awesome. I love it. Yes. Uh, Luke and Josh, who are just incredible people. And I apologize to Josh's family, who I know he sits around the table and forces them to listen to every episode. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, his daughter is so is so incredibly smart. She's probably just shakes her head because she already knows this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She's got an idea on how to fix inflation. Oh, yes, she does. Let's talk to Wendy instead. Please. Uh, I do want to say to Dave listening all the way in Germany. Uncle Dave! The the guy who gave me the entire tour of Berlin. Uh, He's just such an incredible person. And uh, I, I... I, we respect everyone from the beginning who is uh, who stayed with us. And uh, Dave, thank you so much for listening. I know you don't have a lot of time. There was a learning curve. And we right. appreciate your patience because if you listen to our beginning podcast where it sounds like we're talking through a toilet roll tube. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really bad. We're improving every day. Just like stoicism says, you don't have to be perfect today. You just have to be better than you were yesterday. And so that's what we're trying to do each week. We're just trying to improve a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess, I, I mean, we should say, you know, we sh- I guess we should mention Morgan, who has been promoting yeah, this podcast. Morgan has been amazing, for sure. But another okay. one that okay. that continues to engage. And uh, so thank you. Thank you, guys. And we apologize, Morgan, for you listening to the last pod or to the Bad Christian episode of that podcast <laughs> yeah. while you were at work. And there was no disclaimer to tell you about what the beginning of that conversation was going to start out with. <laughs> but anyways, thank you. For our new listeners and welcome. We are so happy you decided to take some time out of your week to listen to us. And there's so much that goes on from week to week. So if you would like more of more concise information and less of our interjections, you can go and sign up at oquinanalytics.com and be a part of our community. That site has a forum that you can post questions or provide news that you find interesting and could even be discussed on a future episode. 
Plus, you will receive email updates when new blogs and podcast episodes are posted. Also, since we have your attention, please take a moment and rate and review this podcast, as that is the main way Apple and Spotify derive their charting algorithms. Hey, and speaking of charts, what? We are now charting in the top 100 in the United States and Canada. So for all you American and Canadian listeners, uh, thank you so very much. We do hope that you enjoy these conversations. Yeah, so... Let's get into it because we've been rambling on for a while. <laughs> what is on your radar this week? Well, obviously, what are we going to start out with? The Russia-Ukraine update. Hmm. We're going to get into the hypersonics talk once again, but this time with Russia. Uh, there's a Russian hacking effort. Uh, also, we're going to ask the question, is Poland next? I think that's a good title. We might, we'll have that conversation after this, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah. also I decided, I think we decided on it already. Yeah. I mean, also, if I don't have to come up with it and you already came up with it, then it's fine. It's perfect. That's the perfect. Sorry, I, I keep putting you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Next, we'll talk about how, uh, Belarus has entered the arena. Uh, then after that, we're going to step away from sort of the uh, Russia, Ukraine and Belarus stuff. And we're going to talk about the 10 commandments of propaganda due to the disinformation, disinformation age that we are in right now. Yeah. Uh, then we'll come jump right back to Ukraine, but in a more European version. So uh, Italy has spoken up for Ukraine, one of the, the few European countries. Actually that making is... their stance known. Like Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, then we're going to jump on over to Israel and Iran as they continue to fight. Mm. And what is the last thing we talk about? <laughs> Histories, mysteries. We'll talk about Sonia Schultz this week okay. uh, in, in homage to, once again, it's still Women's History Month. Okay. Well, as always, let's start off with the more pressing matters at hand. What is going on in Russia and Ukraine? Well, so uh, several Ukrainian media claims uh, have been that Russian, or I'm sorry, Ukrainian forces have launched a counteroffensive near Kiev and have surrounded Russian soldiers in the areas of Buka and Ostomel. They're in their territory. What is it like? They're trying to act like that is a reason to continue this because they're standing up for their homeland? What the heck? Well, you know, Ru Russia needs Ukraine. I mean, Russia needs Kiev. They, that's the most important city. It's the capital city. Uh, but this, uh, this counteroffensive has not been confirmed, but... I will say I will say this, looking through satellite imagery and uh, some of the mapping stuff that we've had, uh, Russia remains stalled miles from the capital city of Kiev. Oh, wow. Now, the situation in uh, Mariupol remains tense and Russian forces have completely surrounded that major city. What is the importance of Mariupol? Well, it is a strategic port city in the Sea of Azov. It uh, it normally skews pro-Russian. However, the city has been pushing back against Russian forces. Uh, while Mariupol is a very important city in Ukraine, it definitely is not on the scale of Kiev, which would be a devastating loss if Russia is successful in taking over that city. Now, the longer this war plays out, the more it benefits Russia. And that may seem that, that may seem counterintuitive due to the amount of sanctions that are happening right now. But 
Russia has options and allies to help continue this fight. Ukraine is finding out their allies are not all in on engaging in an armed conflict with Russia in order to save Ukraine. Thoughts and prayers. That's yeah, all that's we need is thoughts and thoughts, prayers. prayers, and sanctions. Thoughts, prayers, and sanctions. Can you explain um, if the recent use of hypersonic weapons will change the minds of leaders of NATO in the U.S.? Well, that is an interesting question because in 2021, U.S. intelligence, myself included, and military leaders stated that the use of hypersonic weapons on the battlefield would be a game changer. So now that Russia has deployed a hypersonic missile, the U.S. military is trying to walk back that statement with the Secretary of Defense, uh, Austin, stating the Department of Defense is not worried about Putin, Putin's use of hypersonic missiles in Ukraine. And I just gave Putin a different pronunciation to his name. You're welcome, Vladimir. Yeah. Putin. I don't know. That, Putin. Putin. Oh, don't start. Do I'm not. trying to remain unbiased. But you're doing a terrible, terrible job. So let me ask you another question to distract you from that. Um, they aren't worried, but I are mean, you worried? Yeah, I'm, I'm very worried. So war has brought the development of new killing vessels since the dawn of time. So we talked about from the, the start where we had stone blades to gunpowder to the use of nuclear weapons. You know, the global arms race has always played a deciding factor in the outcome of wars. Usually, the country that develops or gains access to new, more advanced weapons technology holds the upper hand during war. So this was the case for all of the Cold War with Russia. Both the U.S. and Russia had developed advanced nuclear weapons, a game changer at the time, and probably still today it's a game changer, as it could be the basis for the lack of military support to Ukraine. The fact that none of us can be assured Putin will not use nuclear weapons if their military campaign looks to be completely defeated is very concerning. Also, I do think they're worried talking about the U.S. intelligence and, and the Department of Defense, uh, but they want to calm the fears of the American people by not expressing that concern outwardly. Well, good thing we're here to call it out, I guess. <laughs> Let's <laughs> panic. <laughs> Sorry. So, okay. Sorry. All seriousness. This is not a funny situation. I'm sorry we giggle so much. But um, from the use of hypersonic missiles to the use of cyber attacks, are there any cyber concerns? Uh, from I mean, there certainly are. And this week, Senior White House cybersecurity officials said that U.S. companies that provide critical infrastructure should improve their cyber defense posture because of ongoing digital threats from Russia. Uh, the U.S. government has already seen Russia is preparing hacking activity aimed at numerous U.S. companies. Are there any details on what those preparatory hacking activities have well, involved? Hackers associated with Russian internet addresses have been scanning the networks of at least five U.S. energy companies. Now, no. this would be a prelude for an attack on critical energy infrastructure in the U.S. Uh, this is coming at a time when the U.S. infrastructure has needed critical updates and the deadlock in Washington, D.C. has made it difficult to agree on how to fix that infrastructure. 
because it's all about them paying their Yeah, follow the money. It's not about us. Yeah. Where's the money going? Where did you, what, that little stipulation in the bill that, you know, earmarked millions of dollars for some (laughs) BS that no one cares about. But you know what? At least our shitty electrical infrastructure is holding on. It is for one day. We'll see where it goes. Now. I I didn't mean to curse on here, by the way. This is not, that's not what I. The the people are ready to do. And the listeners, rate and review. Let us know what you think of that. <laughs> They're like, please don't ever do that again. You're supposed well, to be Well, they definitely didn't hear me on the podcast with Matt and Toby. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> the White House has said uh, that uh, these Russian hacker scans were likely, and I'm going to quote them, not about espionage, it's probably very likely about disruptive or destructive cyber activity. Now, that could be devastating to a population in the United States dealing with dozens of crises, like supply chain issues, remember that, rapid inflation, and the cost of 20-plus years at war. Well, now... In all of this, you have stated many times on this podcast that you did not believe Putin was done once he gained power in Ukraine. You said this was just a starting point. And you still, are you still confident, sorry, and you still, are you still confident that the next countries invaded by Russia will be Moldova, Moldova and well, Poland? I am more confident after this past week's events, especially in regards to Poland. Uh, Now, I said Moldova to start with just because they are not an EU country or a NATO country. It's it's a smaller country. It's easier to to invade. But uh, this week, Poland ordered the expulsion of 45 Russians whom the government identified as intelligence officers using their diplomatic status as cover to operate in the country. On the heels of that news, open source intelligence reports made mention of multiple clouds of smoke at the Russian embassy in Poland where it was believed those Russian officials were burning massive amounts of documents before officially being expelled. Well, that's not a good sign. What is the significance of them burning all of those documents? Obviously, and you know this, even though you're asking the question, but it means there are documents that the staff at the Russian embassy in Poland don't want the Polish government to have access to. Also, this was the precursor to the invasion of Ukraine. Now, let me give these officials the benefit of the doubt, or at the very least, clear up what their intentions are. Every country's embassy has classified documents safely stored in a secure location. Every country, upon hearing staff from the embassy will be expelled, will make classified digital copies, then shred and burn. I want to make that clear. Shred and burn all the documents before leaving. Is it nefarious? Yeah, but clandestine operations at embassies are always nefarious. That's just what espionage is. Okay, well, what would be the tipping point where you think Russia will decide to invade Poland? Well, that actually segues nicely into the next topic I wanted to get into, uh, and that is the actions Belarus is taking. So far, Belarus has played a hands-off approach within Ukraine. While being vocal, they support Putin and his quote-unquote special military operation in Ukraine. But now the U.S. and NATO believe 
that Belarus could soon join Russia in its war against Ukraine and that the country is already taking steps to do so. So just last month, Belarus moved to change its constitution to allow the country to host both Russian forces and nuclear weapons permanently. Uh, at this time, there have been no indications that Belarus is currently participating in the fighting in Ukraine. Entrance into the conflict would be a huge geopolitical shift. Belarus's entry would indicate to Poland that Russia is ready to go all out in a war on Europe. Belarus, uh, Belarus's exiled opposition leader said this week that the invasion of Ukraine by the Belarusian army is a step with irreversible ramifications. It would be a shameful stain on relations with the Ukrainian people and would further isolate Belarus from the rest of the world, right up to the Iron Curtain, behind which Belarus would not be seen as an independent state and life in the country would descend into poverty. So is Belarus going to get involved? Well, they do not have the option to stay out of this. So the Belarusian government has aligned itself with Putin. Now, however, and I will say for the most part, it seems the Belarusian people are opposed to getting involved in the conflict. Uh, recently this week, railway workers staged a sabotage effort of railroads being used to resupply Russian troops. As well, Belarusian hackers have hacked the railway systems to actually delay those supplies. And then earlier this month, not even in just the uh, civilian sector, but in the military, we had Belarusian Major General Viktor Gulovic reportedly resigned as chief of the general staff and first deputy minister of defense refusing to organize Belarusian troops to participate in the hostilities committed by the Russian forces in Ukraine. Oh, wow. It's really, really nice to see people are fighting back against these totalitarian governments. I mean, if I mean, I hope they're successful and we can get to a swift end to this where peace is the goal. Yeah, I felt the exact same way. OK, um. I guess we should shift gears again and talk about propaganda and misinformation because we haven't talked about that enough. Yeah. Off the heels of last week, talking about a ton of misinformation on both sides. Uh, let's, yeah, let's definitely get into this. So, uh, I believe it was U.S. Senator Hiram Johnson who said, when war is declared, truth is the first casualty, uh, and made mention of how false narratives are fundamental to warfare. Well, we are definitely seeing that play out for sure with Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned both countries because both are playing the misinformation game in order to win hearts and minds, or at least make the other country look less effective than they really are. So I want to discuss uh, Belgian historian Anne Morelli's 10 Commandments of Propaganda and see if you see any parallels to these and what Russia and Ukraine are doing. Okay, that sounds good. Hit me up with those commandments all right and interject as much as you want when i talk about these okay so number one this is one the one commandment we don't Mm -hmm. want war we are only defending ourselves Uh, number two our adversary is solely responsible for this war yeah we're responsible for the war in ukraine according to putin yep now number three our adversary's leader is inherently evil and resembles the devil. All that stuff that they're saying about Zelensky? 
All those terrible, terrible, terrible things being said. Number four, we are defending a noble cause, not our particular interests. Right. You know how Russia had to give up some of their countries whenever the Soviet Union fell. A noble noble cause cause to bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back to the motherland, guys. All right. Number five, the enemy is purposefully committing atrocities. If we are making mistakes, this happens without intention. Uh. (laughs) Number six, the enemy makes use of illegal weapons. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm trying to not like just go off. Bioweapon labs, anybody? Yeah, bioweapon labs that we haven't seen yet, but they're, they're there. Number seven. We suffer few losses. The enemy's losses are considerable. Of course, you got to keep the morale of your soldiers up. So yeah, you're gonna that one's understandable. Say, you're going to put stuff like that out there, obviously. Number eight. Recognized intellectuals and artists support our cause. Screw that one. Who gives a shit? <laughs> okay, then number nine. <laughs> like, seriously, why are we listening to famous people when it comes to, like, national security yeah i i am 100 percent with you now number nine our cause is sacred of course and finally number 10 whoever puts doubt on our propaganda helps the enemy and is a traitor okay well um it looks like she was spot on with her assessment and her commandments of propaganda can you put that article in the show notes, though, so that people can read it all? Yeah, I'm also going to put it in the blog, too. Okay. So. I'll, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I'll okay. send the link out, and you can put that in the blog. All right. Okay. Just a, well, a good moment to uh, just say that, yes, we do a blog for the podcast um, so that if you're a visual learner, you can see that. Yeah. Well, with all that being said, do you want to get back into how Europe is helping Ukraine through the conflict yeah i sure do uh because an interesting country has come out and asked for the eu to accept ukraine into the european union and that country was not france it was not german germany but it was italy well what is italy's concern well italy sees the writing on the wall for once i guess uh or is one of the nations that does uh, They've been on the wrong side of history a couple times. Yeah, well, we all have. Yeah. Well, all of our co- all, well, I say all. I'm saying every country has some stains on them. Yep, some stains harder to clean than others. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. Well, Italy uh, sees the writing on the wall, right? This conflict is not going to be isolated to just Ukraine and those former Soviet bloc countries. Now, the Italian prime minister said this following a speech by Ukrainian President Zelensky. Quote the Italian prime minister, Today, Ukraine does not just defend itself. It defends our peace, our freedom, our security. It defends that multilateral order based on rules and rights that we have painstakingly built up since the war. End quote. In the quote there, and the war he's yeah. talking about is World War II, which well, no, Italy was on the wrong side of. Well, no, I, I mean, I completely get it because obviously every piece that 
Putin is able to gain under control, it will embolden him further. Yep. So who's to say he's going to stop with Eastern Bloc countries? And exactly. stop with Scan- and stop with Scandinavia because I know he they had to give up Finland, and, you know. Right. So I totally, totally agree with the Italian Prime Minister. That's <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um. So why do you think the EU would be hesitant to add Ukraine to the Euro- European Union? Well, it is no secret that Ukraine suffers from an image of corruption. Yeah, for Maybe sure. Low- low- yeah, for sure. Uh, that's not propaganda. Yeah, yeah, we haven't brought that up much because, you know, there are more important things to bring up, but they do have an image of corruption. Yep. And many local leaders have used their status and power over the years to line the pockets of business partners, as well as increase funding for their own businesses. I know another government that does <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, sorry. It needs to be said. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> uh, there are numerous cases of uh, voter fraud within the country, as well as bribery in public universities. These are all cause for concern. Ukraine sits as one of the most corrupt countries in Europe. They have a corruption index rating of 32 on a scale from 1 to 99, where one is the most corrupt. Oh, that was not the way I thought that scale was yeah. going to go. I was like, 32 is not so bad. 99 is the least corrupt. And you're talking oh, about the Scandinavian that? countries of Denmark, Sweden. Oh, some favorites. Oh, my gosh. I love all those. Now, in, in, I mean, I would say in contrast, but it's not really a contrast. Uh, yeah. But Russia sits at a rating of 29. Now, that's not far from Ukraine's rating of 32. Well, I'm sure this is being used by pro-Russian media and professionals as a valid reason for Russia to invade Ukraine. Sounds like number three on the Ten Commandments of Propaganda. Yeah, it is definitely, uh, it's definitely being used. And I caution against anyone thinking that Russia was validated in their invasion because Ukraine is a corrupt country in need of a change in government. Uh, these are things I'm seeing being said in our own country, in the United States. Some political leaders are trying to use the corruption in Ukraine to demand the U.S. remain isolated and out of this war. But the corruption of the government doesn't reflect upon the actual citizens who need the help. Right. And, and what? <laughs> my advice for those people who are going on Twitter and saying those kind of things is the age-old statement. Uh-huh. Two wrongs don't make a right. Correct. If Putin continues to advance in Europe, the U.S. will be forced to engage in an armed conflict. This is not a pro-war message. This is just a statement of fact. Yeah, it doesn't sound pro-war to me at all. You don't sound any more... Like, you don't want a war any more than anyone else does. I I do want to continue to put that out there, that we are not benefiting from this. (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, But, okay, so while the U.S. is arguing on how to proceed with Russia and Ukraine, do you have any updates on the Iran-Israel conflict? I'm sorry, this is like a jump 
we just yeah we, we have to drag, i just want to drag this on uh, too much longer for under i think everyone listening is understanding that yeah we ran our <laughs> mouth a lot we ran our mouths a whole lot in the beginning of this and so we got to get to it get to, Gotta it, get to it because this one is important this is very yeah. important just like the ukraine russia conflict uh this week a high-ranking iranian general warned that Iran would take immediate action if Israel kills any of its soldiers. Uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Commander-in-Chief Hussein Salami spoke directly to the people in Iran when he said, and I'm quoting him, in recent weeks, you have seen how Zionists are always wrong in their calculations and have been targeted by Revolutionary Guard missiles. We are warning them that they should cease their mischief or we will bury them alive. Oh my God, that's really aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. Arabic is so poetic. It, it really well, they, is. they speak Farsi, but uh, uh, it's it's a similar sort of uh, sort of language, and it's very flowery, as you it, can see in the quote. Yeah, there. that's um, that is a very flowery way of saying we gonna get you. Yeah. And these statements come after the missile attack near a U.S. base in Erbil, Iraq, that Iranian officials claim were targeting Israeli military sites. Well, what is the solution to this situation, if there is any? (laughs) Well, thousands of years of conflict in the region would say that there will never be a solution. But we here on the podcast don't like to use that never word. That's the worst word to use. Because it's going to happen. I guess we should say never. There should, there will never be a solution. There will never be. There will never. This will never happen, guys. Yes. Because if you say never, it's going to happen. So let's do yeah, it. Yeah, that's what we say. We're, and if you're listening right now, we're not say super, it with this. We're not superstitious. We're a little we're, stitious. We're just a little stitious. And everyone say it with me. This will never happen. Yeah. Thank you. Now, as a self-described solutions person, It's a good question to unpack. First, Iran needs to be isolated. Uh, That's going to be harmful to the people of Iran in the short in the short term. But much like Putin, Iran's leadership is not looking to negotiate. Their intentions are to have the Western world capitulate to their demands in order to gain the upper hand in the region. Now, many Arab countries signed the Abraham Accords which was a key document in normalizing relations between the U.S., Israel, and multiple Arab nations in the Middle East. It was a clear sign that not just Israel is afraid of a nuclear-enabled Iran. Next, I would tell every Western nation to remove themselves from the Iran nuclear deal. Iran is not negotiating in good faith. Right now, they are stalling until they get to a far enough along, so they get far enough along with nuclear developments that an agreement to stop weapons development will mean little in the advancement of nuclear mil- munitions in Iran. All right there, buddy. If Iran is allowed to develop nuclear weapons, that is going to be a game changer for the Middle East. So the update is that the conflict continues in the region. Well, unfortunately, yes. That is the only update I've got. Well, that's not as much of a downer as last week when you hit us with the Saudi Arabian news about them executing all those people before we got into history's mysteries. Sorry about that. He dragged us down and then lifted us back up again. Our fearless leader. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready to get into this week's history's mysteries, though? 
Yes. Uh, so I think it is a good place to get started. And we didn't go as dark as we did last week before this. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, this week, as I said, we're going to continue our discussion on the great women of the intelligence community. And it's going to be Ursula Kaczynski, also known as Sonia Schultz who was a German communist activist who spied for the Soviet Union in the 1930s and 40s, most famously as the handler of nuclear scientist Klaus Fuchs. Between 1938 and 1940, she was based with her husband, Rudolf Hamburger, in Switzerland. I love his last name. Yeah, I could go for a good hamburger, though. I want a hamburger so bad right now, even though we just ate pasta. <laughs> Now, her, her duties in Switzerland included working as a specialist radio operator, applying technical skills acquired during her Moscow visits earlier in the decade. Uh, the codes she used to send information to Moscow uh, from her house, a three-hour walk up into the mountains, have, to this day, never been deciphered, which is incredible to think about. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, after the Nazi takeover of Danzig in 1939, she set up a highly successful resistance group in that same city. Uh, after that, she then divorced her husband, Mr. So hamburger. she wasn't a hamburger anymore? She didn't like hamburgers after that. Oh. Um, now, he had soured on the Soviet Union that was led by Stalin, and she married a Soviet-British national, thus gaining a British passport. And due to her work within England, she was able to provide information on nuclear development to the previously mentioned Soviet scientist, Klaus Fuchs. And this information led to the swift development of nuclear power in the Soviet Union. Now, since 1989, more information has become available concerning at least some of her espionage achievements. And appreciation has grown of her abilities. One historian who had studied her career said, I'm going to quote this person. Uh, she wa was one of the top spies ever produced by the Soviet Union, and her penetration of Britain's secrets and MI5 possibly went far deeper than was thought at the time that she was operational. That's the end of the quote there. While we may consider her an adversary in the U.S., according to us, in capitalism, uh, no, due to her work in Soviet intelligence, it is key. And and this goes to being unbiased, and, and I want to promote anyone who is really good in the craft, in, in the craft of espionage and intelligence. So it is key that we note that she was an integral part of the war effort against Hitler and his Nazi party. That's awesome. She was, I, I mean, she's fantastic and probably one of the top, it's not even male, female, anything, just one of the top spies of that time. That's incredible. Is there anything else for this week? After that, I think we are out of time for this week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Probably we've been rambling for a while. All right, guys, we're about to shut up.
As always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as mentioned in the beginning, head over to Apple or Spotify podcasts and give us a five-star review because those help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oquinanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, Stay safe out there.